and as his determination builds to take another life, he plans in obsessive detail what props he'll bring, what knots he'll tie. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Feel, feel the impact. Feel, feel, feel the impact. <laughs> We're doing copycat today. Yeah, the long People have been waiting for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, haven't they just Congo into copycat? We are really. I think we're gonna have to be clever in the marketing of this one because I think people will be a lot like me, although we'll get into it. In that, at first glance, you'd be like, "Oh, what's that one?" But then you go, "Oh, that one. It's interesting to look at." They, they you should listen to this episode, and if you if you can hear this, you already are. So stay with us, though. <laughs> yeah, stay, stay, please stay, stay, please. Uh, we're back in 95 this week oh, too. Oh, man. Look, it's getting harder and harder to come up with shit <laughs> about these minuscule years. Did you know okay, though, here we go. Yep. that Pocahontas <laughs> no. and Toy Story? Yeah, too unrelated. They have nothing in common, those two movies. They came out the same year. What do you mean? The same year, 1995. <laughs> two worlds, the old world and the new world, were forged and twisted in that they came out in the same year. It's like a handover. Yeah, it was a bat, a baton, mm. a, a comic, a cartoon baton slash CGI baton. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that your fact no. for you? Oh, that's just a little taster. No, I've got to look. As it turns out, it was 95. Yeah. Big year for the internets. On the mark, get set. We're riding on the internet. Yo, Jeff, for the internet. So I thought I might just uh, tickle a few member berries, mm. as it were. Was the net 95 or 94? Somewhere around there, wasn't it? It might have been 94. Mm. But we did have the launch of a few behemoths. Obviously, the bubble done popped eventually. <laughs> and a lot of, you know, there's a few RIPs out of this whole oh, yeah. um, dot com burst. Um, ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Absolute, absolutely. Uh, Netscape Navigator. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you watched that in that star circle around that end a few times as you tried to upload a. Picture of Pammy's boobies, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes for a JPEG. Yeah, those are the days. The anticipation. Ah, nothing quite like it. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Sabir Basha and Jack Smith approached the venture capital firm Draper Fisher Jerviston with the idea of a free email service. Two and one half years later, its launch, 4th of July, 96. It's not two and a half years. That math doesn't check out. Hotmail. Oh, and then Microsoft bought it off them. Is that how? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, good old Hotmail was founded around this time. What was um, your Hotmail address? Uh, Greg Carney. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, I was future-proofing that. That's Yeah, pretty smart. Mine was Ghetto Burrell. <laughs> <laughs> That's my nickname. 
I don't know. There are a few. Have you got any mates on Hotmail? No. I got a couple of mates still rocking a Hotmail. Really? We get a good laugh out of it anytime the <laughs> an email list is required for an invitation of sorts. What is it? Something something underscore sixty nine at Hotmail. Yeah. Well, it's usually just whoever kept their name. I think. Yeah. Uh, Alta Vista was launched. Ah, that was a bit. Was that engine. a search? Yeah, yeah okay. that was big search engine, huge search engine. Yeah. This was back when we used to surf the net. We surfed the net. It was an activity to yeah. go on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone have to hang up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm spending some time on the internet. I'm going to go surf the web. Some lo-fi websites. <laughs> yeah, copycat. <laughs> Good segue there. That was the opposite of a segue. <laughs> <laughs> a blunt jamming. Yeah. <laughs> It's aggressive. Yeah, that was aggressive. Yeah, look, we, we did 1995 last week, so I, I won't dwell on all the movies that were, but, you know, only one movie could come in at number 63 for the year, and that is Copycat. <laughs> yeah, but sixty-three now. It may be the lowest number we've done. No, I think we what did one. What came that, in at sixty-two? Well, great question, Greg. Because I think to be fair, sixty-three sounds not great, but it beat Desperado. Ah, it beat Billy Madison. Oh, it beat Operation Dumbo Drop. Dumbo <laughs> Droop, <laughs> which I now realise is in the same year as Congo. So that must have been a whole thing that year. Ah, Africa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that on the list last week. Yeah. Uh, virtuosity, Kids, Sudden Death, Johnny Mnemonic, Cutthroat Island, the biggest flop of all time, uh, Jury Duty, and Major oh, Pain. You listed some pretty crap movies there. Yeah, and this beat all that crap. So this is right in the middle of the, the crap pack. <laughs> oh. uh, it beat Waterworld. No, it didn't beat Waterworld, I don't think. Bunch of good movies this year and also Copycat. Uh, what's your <laughs> what? How dare you? I'm sorry. I'll be kind. You suggested this one, so I I suppose you have some memories of this particular picture. Uh, I remember. I I watched this a bit back in the day. I think right. Um, I would. This look. This would have been a classic Saturday night rental. Yeah, uh, accompanied with some buttered popcorn, probably a block or two of Cadbury. You're allowed to have two rows. Yeah. That was my household. Uh, I'd go to a mate's. Ah. Uh, oh, because 95, yeah, you're two yeah, years older. Yeah. I was still like 10 or 11. Yeah, I'm, I'm airborne, baby. Yeah. Just going to the mates around the corner. Left the nest. That's right. Uh, and I was still in two rows of chocolate protocol. Yeah, oh, mate. I was I was ahead of that. Yeah, nice. Two litres of Coke Fuck. for sure. Yeah. Better get guzzled. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Uh, and then I remember... Uh, look, looking up serial killer content off the back of this movie, mm. I think I was intrigued by it. Yeah. Fair enough. It happens. It's intriguing. Look at the world today. That's right. We're, we're all that. intrigued by it. And my mum found me looking up. I remember she, I was looking up Sam Berkowitz, son of Sam. I must have been on, I was going to say the internet, but it couldn't have been. It was too early. In Carter? Uh, it was in Carter, I believe. In Carter 95? Yeah, that's big. right. Um, did you kill any kittens? Or I did not. Okay, I wasn't an active, um, I wasn't a weirdo. Well, yeah. I mean. Yes, I remember my mum not being pleased. In fact, I think she might have been a little bit disturbed 
upon finding me. Yeah. But I've, I've, you know, I've made it to 37, so I'm outside the demo of a serial killer. Yeah. We made it, Mum. Yeah, we made it. We made it. What's the, what's the number they say in this? I think 35. 20, Up to 35, yeah. To so I got, I got another couple months where I could. Are you 34? I'm still 35. Oh. Yeah, for another. Oh, yeah, yeah, 35. Yeah, gotcha. So I'm I could. I'm, it's not off the cards yet. It's not because you're white. Yeah. And 35. Yeah. What else was there? That was it, wasn't it? That's basically it, yeah. 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 Where did this fit in the world? Did you watch a bunch of these types of movies, like Silence of the Lambs and that kind of shit? Uh, that's a good question. I think, so obviously we'll talk more about it, but Seven yeah. came out the same year. Yeah, there was um, a lot, wasn't there? And I don't I don't know that I saw Seven at the time. No, I didn't. I Because Seven was pretty hardcore. Seven is pretty hardcore film. I think I'd, it was one of those ones I'd heard the stories of like, it was almost like an urban legend a little bit, because I was yeah. too young to see it, so you'd hear stories of what it was about. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd seen Silence of the Lambs properly. That no. was a, probably a little bit. Because that came out in 91. That's, you would have been a little baby. I was too young. Yeah, yeah, I think I snuck into the lounge room and my parents were watching it and went, yeah, nah, I'm not into this. It's not a bad segue, Greg, because I thought I hadn't seen this movie, not to get into the rewatch just yet, but when I was watching it I was like, oh, this movie. Really? My mother had rented I verified it with her today actually. My mother had rented this movie. Yeah. And I was kind of half watching it. Like it was because the agoraphobia stuff was the, the member berry. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Because I remember I remember this scene where she has to leave the apartment. And, like, and, and I was like, I was like, what's what's this? What are like, what's the problem? And blah, blah, blah. My mum explained it to me. So that, that stuck with me. And the, the hanging in the bathroom stuff was like, oh, so there was lots of deja vu. I couldn't uh, remember much else. But uh, I guess I'd sort of half watched it. Half consumed. Half consumed. Passive secondhand viewing. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's riveting. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, speaking of riveting, should I get into the origin story? Oh, 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 I've been waiting for this one. Yeah. Origin story. So uh, it's going to be a quickie. Don't really have an origin story here. I've, hypothe- <laughs> I've hypothesized one. Oh. So, you know, part of the problem with this is it's a generic title and Billy Eilish has released a song called Copycat. So that fucks up all the fucking searching. So that ain't Billy that- Eilish? 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 How do you say her name? I don't know. I think know. it's Eilish. I don't know. But basically this was written by a woman named Anne Biderman. <laughs> Shrugged my shoulders, but uh, oh, she's kind of a big deal. She, she was a writer on <gasps> NYPD, NYPD Blue. Oh yeah, so she knows something about crime. Yeah, and she created the show Southland, which I haven't seen, but I'm pretty sure it had that guy from the OC in it. But most recently, she's the creator of Ray Donovan, which is one of those shows that I I've never watched, but I'm like, oh, I should watch that. I've heard it's it's pretty entertaining. Every episode has uh, fighting. Yeah. It hits all the Sex right notes. Yeah. Um, it was directed by a man named John Emil, if that's how you say it. Perhaps not. Likely not how Emil? you say it. Emil. So he went on to do a few movies that I quite like. Well, one movie that Entrapment. I quite like. Entrapment. The Man Who Knew Too Little. Bill Murray joint. When he was sort of just floating. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't quite the Bill Murray Renaissance yet. It definitely was not Ghostbusters era. Post Bob pre translation. Yeah, exactly. Um, Entrapment and the core that that movie where they 
go into the core of the earth for some yeah, reason. That's um, it's not good. It's, I think it was one of those. Is that on the Jodie Foster? It's like, wait, Armageddon. What about instead of going up, we go down? We go in. Mm. Why? Why do we focus on? It's how Hollywood works, baby. Discovering the galaxy when we haven't even discovered our own planet. Sometimes to 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 understand the world out there, you need to understand the world in here. Do you mean us as humans? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes introspection. You have to love yourself before you can love others. Yeah. However, a little plot twist here, and here's where things get juicy. John A. Meal, two years earlier in 1993, directed a movie called Summersby. I've done some detective work here. Who starred in Summersby? Summersby starred one Jodie Foster. One Jodie Foster? Yeah. Is that like a Spanish Jodie Foster? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's her adopted son. One. One. No, Jodie Foster. Oh, sorry. Which I hypothesize that the actual origin story of this movie is they saw Silence of the Lambs and thought, hey, we should make one of those. Yeah. And, you know, casting Jodie Foster in your movie you make just before that is obviously just a trick to fucking get closer to the source and, you know, get a few little secrets on the serial killer world. Yeah. Because, you know, he basically cast another Jodie Foster in um, – Yeah, Jodie Foster type, yeah. yeah. In a uh, yeah, real Jodie Foster type. I'll get into that a bit later. Is there – are you are you uh, alluding to a sense of irony of this film being called Copycat? It took the voids right out of my gut because I had that in my notes. Ah. Would you agree that perhaps <laughs> the real copycat <laughs> <laughs> is this – Movie could be, but anyway, who the fuck knows how this movie came to be? Because that's all I could find. One interesting little tidbit, though, and another potential common thread throughout all this world of serial killer entertainment. Can we call it a ribbon? Ribbon, yeah, that's nice. Mm, I like ribbons. Yeah, ribbons are cool. A more celebratory. Streamers. Streamers. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Fishing wire. Fishing wire. Um, That's a bit more um, utilitarian. Yeah, yeah, it is. You can use it for all kinds of things. Um, what about the origin of the term serial killers? Oh. So that was coined by a man, uh, FBI investigator, Robert Ressler. Oh, is that where they did Mindhunters? Yes. Is it? Well, oh. he's one of the guys of that crew. He's not the guy that made that show. But anyway, he came up with the term in the 70s from what I can tell. He has some links to other serial killer movies like Silence of the Lambs. Uh-huh. They suggest that – because, you know, Silence of the Lambs is actually part of – based on a book series of which the first one is – Red maybe, Dragon? Is it called Mindhunter? Became Red Dragon in the remake, but Brian Cox played Hannibal Lecter in it. Technically, Silence of the Lambs is a sequel, technically. Yeah. Yeah. So in that first one, the FBI agent's a dude that is sort of a proxy for this guy. Edward Norton. In theory. Well, it becomes Edward Norton later, yeah. Yeah, later. Yeah. So that guy is a link to Science of the Lambs, also was an advisor on this movie. So again, it's all kind of mm. the ribbon is tight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, they're the serial killer. They're the guys. They're the guys. Pack. And that's as far as I could get into the origin story. Should we, should we play the, the whack trailer? Pack. The whack pack. Yeah. Nah, that's a bit more mafia, <laughs> isn't it? Let's play the trailer. What turns on a killer is the suffering and death of another human being. And as his determination builds to take another life, he plans in obsessive detail what props he'll bring, what knots he'll tie. Let me ask you guys something. What turns you on? 
a criminal psychiatrist. There's a serial killer out there who strangled three women. He's going to do it again. A homicide detective. Would you work with us on this? Is that other voice? Kidding, right? (laughs) I do not want you discussing this case with her in any shape, way, or form. It's the Boston Strangler. You're telling me this guy's copycatting a serial killer's been dead for twenty years. You're looking for an intelligent white male, 20 to 30 years old, socially functional. Everything's different. Different guy. He's switched from DeSalvo to Bianchi and Bono, the hillside strangler. One man is copying the most notorious killers in history, one at a time. He's sending you letters like he's daring us to nail him. If he wants to be famous, he has to be caught. I'm death and life to you, Doc. We know that Mr. Cullen was safe in San Quentin last night, so how come his book shows up under the mattress? Together, two women must stop him. The man who has killed five women in the city was just in your apartment. Before he kills again. All I know to do is change your locks, tighten up your security, and pray. Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, and Harry Connick Jr. in a deadly game of cat Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. and mouse. <gasps> Copycat. Not a bad trailer. Had the voice. Yeah, had the voice. Have we haven't heard the voice? What's his name? Don someone? LaFontaine. Yeah, Don LaFontaine, the, the, the voice of trailers. We haven't heard, if you think about it, he haven't heard his voice a lot in our trailers. And I would have thought, I would have thought, yeah, I was, I've been very surprised. There's a lot of trailers without a voiceover, which shocks me. I know these days. Shocking. And some trailers end up also just being a collection of scenes. Wow. Collection of scenes. You know, just voiceless scene collection. Some of them don't translate at all to audio, we've found. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, what the fuck's this movie about, Craig? Uh, yeah, well, I'll give you a synopsy. Okay. Uh, there's a crazy cat lady mm. holed up in her spacious, spacious, yet dark and poorly decorated apartment. I like the apartment. In San Francisco. Some good blinds. Yeah, I feel like it needs a few bob just to fix it up. Mm. Uh, there's a serial killer in town. Mm. Copying all the famous serial killers of yesteryear. Bundy, Dharma, Berkowitz. Mm. There's a couple of cops after the serial killer. Mm. I think they're kind of meant to be an item. Although... No. Well... He's no. a fair bit hotter. So I'm not quite sure. an item. He crushes on Yeah, no, nah, he crushes... These two are like a the floaty, man. No, nah, they're like... Nah. What are you talking about? That's like... We'll get... Okay, come back to that. Although he's a fair bit <laughs> Also, he's banged Julie Roberts and Cameron Diaz in one movie. Yeah. So, banging Sugioni and Holly in another movie's quite the same. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Yeah. The serial killer is stalking our reclusive cat lady. Did yeah. I mention she was a serial killer expert? Mm. Almost murdered by Harry Connick Jr. Uh, but she has a right to be traumatised and, you know, reclusive. She's been possessed by the gatekeeper of Goza. She's battered aliens in outer space. Mm. She's had quite the life, this lady. Mm. And now she has a pair of glasses and a computer. That's right. And some decent PowerPoint skills. Yeah. 
Uh, an enjoyable game of cat and mouse pursues. Who is next? Who will get to bang Dermot? <laughs> no one. And then he dies. And so does the baddie. So don't mind. Yeah, true. It's a solid recap. Yeah. Can, can we pull apart that little... Uh... Yeah, let's go back. So I, I think we have a different understanding. So Holly Hunter and uh, Dermot Mulroney are uh, partners. Partners. In a cop sense. Correct. Now, I got the sense that she was more just a more seasoned cop and he, he was more like, I got a, like a little brother vibe more than a. Yeah, well, you were you on your phone? Did you watch this on mute? <laughs> no, because she was supportive of the flirtation of Sigourney and him, wasn't she? No, she was kind of like saying, oh, you two. Are, they were, was she jelly, you reckon? Yeah. I thought she was just being more like, ugh. Her ex-husband or ex-husband was like, you just treat her right. To who? Dermot. What? The About ex-husband, her? the ball guy, was saying, just treat her right, all right? I know she's, you guys are a thing now. It's happening. They weren't. They were almost a thing. Oh, okay. You missed that? Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't get that at all. Really? Because I thought that she – because I thought it was really quite cute, the interaction between Sigourney and Dermot. Mm. I was like – it was unexpected because, you know, movies have trained us. She was seemed significantly older than him. You don't really expect that. It, yeah. The other way around is always normal, right? Like, you know, some old yeah. guy can hook up with a young chick. But it was mm. kind of refreshing and cute. It was like. Especially in Hollywood. Yeah. And he was like really sweet, nice guy. And the flirting was kind of like. And no one got to bang him. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And then when he did die, I was like, oh. Yeah, that's still a good scene. I, yeah, I was completely shocked by that. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up on the. I, I thought that was more just her being a bit like. No, they were on. Not baby. liking. They were on. Oh, okay, well then they were off. Yeah, and like they weren't. They weren't. They were going to be on. Mm. You know, if yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to explain that bit, because a lot of people probably haven't seen this movie in a while. That dynamic, uh, perhaps a love triangle. I thought it was a love straight line, but perhaps a love triangle. Mm. Dermot Mulroney, about two thirds into the film, gets pulled off the case. You're off the case. You're off. Out of order. Yeah, for your order. And um, he starts, he's working the Chinatown case and as, as luck would have it or not have it, he gets caught in the middle of a, of a, of a kerfuffle of mm-hmm. sorts. It was nothing more than a kerfuffle. Yeah, in the, in the, in the police station, some put, stupid cop didn't lock their top drawer. Um, the perp, that's what we call the perp, the perp, yeah, it's the perp. Uh, pulled out the gun and got himself a Mulroney. Um, Holly Hunter was there, nearly saved him, but she couldn't quite she get there. She hit the radial nerve. Donuts everywhere. It was um, quite quite yeah. a moment. Which meant, of course, yeah, as Greg said, no one got to bang Mulroney, which yeah. it's, real, it's a real shame. Shame because in my best friend's wedding. Everyone wants to bang him. Yeah. Cameron yeah. and Julia. Yeah. Yeah. How, how were your initial <laughs> thoughts of the rewatch though? Uh, now, I enjoyed we, now that it. we've settled that. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I just felt it was just an easy viewing. Yeah. Like it's a it's a serial killer movie that, I don't know, they, they don't rely on like I guess some of the normal tropes. Yeah. Are they normal tropes? Because Seven wasn't normal, was it? That pornography thing was new. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I found it like just an easy viewing, like a nice little movie. I agree. I found it very easy and enjoyable. And it was enjoyable having like those little member berries firing off, like mm, that discovery mm. process of yeah. like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. I sense a butt coming. But 
I just, but I, I just, uh, was it a little bit too watered down for you? Was uh, it a bit too nothing? Was it? You know, let's, you know what, I'll save some of that for the verdict. I think it was, I enjoyed it. Everything you said is true. I, I enjoyed watching it. I think the idea of a serial killer being a copycat killer is pretty cool. And I think, uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it in a second, but the serial killer is becoming very on trend in popular culture at this mm. point for entertainment purposes. It probably would have been quite cool at that point. It's propping up Netflix pop culture. at the moment. Yeah, but that kind of getting a bit of a, Exploring the rogues gallery of, you know, America's worst um, um, serial killers. It's a nice way to do that mm. without actually making they, it about them all. Because you don't, they don't really go into it, do they? No, but you, yeah. Um, that and to your point, ninety five was an interesting year for computers and the internet, and that that layer of it was quite enjoyable from uh-huh. like a nostalgia-y point of view. Um, and a lot of that weird. Elaborate on that. Well. Okay, Give our so listeners a bit of an understanding of what we're talking about. So the uh, Sigourney Weaver is agoraphobic Mom. after an encounter with uh, Harry Connick Jr. Meaning she's whispering her name and trying to kill her. She wasn't allowed to leave. Um, she was she was scared of leaving her apartment. So she was quite a computer whiz. She had three different monitors, which is more than what more trip screening. It's more than what um, Sandra had, had in the net. She only had two. Um, but I didn't see Sigourney Weaver order pizza online. So maybe she wasn't but also um, the perp in this case, this is the serial killer, was also a bit of a computer whiz. So this became the main communication platform mm. could make these little whiz-bang animations. It was and basically send them to a, a, a battle of PowerPoint wits. Yeah, maybe even in those days, maybe some Microsoft Publisher. Oh. I used to make business cards on Microsoft Publisher and give it to chicks. Not paint? Nah, Publisher, baby. Did you? Yeah. And give them the cheek. What do they say? Kai Burrell, dancer. Uh, no, this was pre that. This was high school. It's where the idea of having a business card was very like. <laughs> oh, business card. Yeah. Printed on really poor stock. On just computer paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a little. With a little um, Wait a second. Just let me tear off the dots. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because oh, school dance is coming up. Let's make some business cards, guys. Yeah. Nice. School dances in those days were great because I went to a boys' school and they would invite all the girls' schools yeah. in the region. Yeah. Uh, in Australia, pretty much. So the odds were good. Yeah. Um, so you'd think anyway. Um, <laughs> but it made me think about like the you know, viruses. Remember getting a virus in your computer and like, oh, it's a, don't, let, don't download a Trojan. Oh, there was all these weird words for it. Mm-hmm. I remember that being a really big deal because especially because a lot of illegal downloading was happening because all this shit wasn't set up. There was no like... Spotify and shit you were downloading from fucking Napster or whatever. They the files and then they're like, gosh, he's smart. He's smart. He's, he's encrypted the file. It's burning. Yeah. And then he's look, where is it, Ruben? He goes, Try the C drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's all these, there's stuff like that where it's like, it's Try absurdly basic. And there's other stuff where it's that weird fake computer stuff that never existed where they just make these animations and things that look all computery. Um, and, there, yeah, yeah. and there's one that's obviously a video and Dermot goes, refers to it as a pro, how long is the program? And he meant how long is the video? So it was like the language wasn't cemented yet. Yeah. So that was fun. That was good. It is good. Take a spin. Now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. Harry Connick Jr.'s teeth, I thought was, uh, this was pre-CGI. So to give him like chipped teeth, they just put a little bit of Nutella on there, I think, or maybe Vegemite. 
Yeah. Because in certain scenes, you could just see like there was stuff on his teeth. Yeah. Yeah. There was like one shot where it looked like he was missing chunks of tooth and the rest he, he just, just had some like shit like it was mid mid nutella on toast yeah but they, how do you feel about the artistic choice to make him a redhead oh i didn't think about it yeah um does that make him more soulless or something is that <laughs> get out folks <laughs> <laughs> Guy. I'm not saying I think that. I'm saying it is it's a bit of a trope for It's not a trope. <laughs> I've learned what a trope is <laughs> and that is not one. It is. There's a whole list. I googled it while you were writing your notes before. That redheads are soulless. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a South Park thing. But um there's a lot of bad guys that have red hair. Name one. Harry Connick Jr. Scorpio? Hank Scorpio, I'd say he's a good guy. Oh, Hank Scorpio, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so he makes up for whoever you're about to say. The Leprechaun? Chucky? Wait, I want I want to be able to return fire here. Poison Ivy? You've got a list. and I've only got my little brain. I don't know what most of these are. I will say... Oh, in... Um, the Pippi Longstocking. Uh, syndrome in The Incredibles. I said Pippi Longstocking. Uh yeah yeah she's evil William Wallace yeah Pippi Longstocking's not evil anyway Greg I I brought this up in defense of of you I was like how so well I thought does the, how do you feel about this representation of it's fine okay next <laughs> Rob Roy <laughs> fat bastard he turns out to be quite good to be good Just a bit of loose skin. I'm unhappy because I eat and I eat because I'm unhappy. Yeah, exactly. Hey, how bad were the cops in this though? Not just for not keeping their drawer well, locked with a gun in it. Well, well. Um, so, she's, so the other parts of this movie is Sigourney Weaver's character. She is a serial killer expert. So she's involved in the case from a advisory point of view. But she also becomes the focal point of the case because the serial killer is now targeting her. But she's agoraphobic, so she doesn't leave her apartment. Do you mean Sigourney? Yeah. What did I say? Did you say Sigourney? I think so. I heard Holly. Uh, Sometimes yeah. I I have name dysle- audio name dyslexia. Ah, it could happen. But she's in an apartment the whole time, so they have a cop guarding her apartment and like mm. not once, not twice, but possibly thrice. <laughs> that doesn't work. Like yeah, just put more cops there and I don't just... let people in. Like Don't what is doing in. with that apartment? Yeah, surely she should have some better security. Yeah, and what's doing with her? On okay, you're saying cops. I'm saying what about her carer? Yeah, who is this guy? He's just a party boy. Yeah, he has no interest. Yeah, he's just just a drug peddler. Wait, does he get killed though? He gets killed. Yeah, makes no difference. Yeah, where is he when these guys breaking in on multiple occasions? And mostly because you know if he's. Uh, uh, you know, a flamboyant individual. He could have brought some styling to the place. That's a bloody good point. What's Queer he doing there the all day? Yeah, huh? what's he doing there all day? Not much. He ain't here. Yeah. Mm. Um, should we talk about the serial killer um, trend of the nineties? Mm. I think it was probably kicked off by Silence of the Lambs. I believe I would, so. I would assume because that. I mean, that was ninety-one. That was ninety-one. And as I mentioned, there's a lot in common here. I did want to do a little side by side. Um, of the female, uh, there's very similar female characters in these two movies. Mm. 
Um, a little bit like Laura Dern versus Laura Linney last mm. week. Even the voices of Holly Hunter and Jodie Foster are very similar. So they've got a Dutch. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Vibe. So this is Jodie. I went downstairs outside. Oh, you shouldn't have said. Well, I thought they, I mean, you they, they would have given it away. I crept up into the barn. I was, I was so scared to look inside, but I had to. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Lambs. They were screaming. And so, so that was Jodie. Obviously, she's got more of a southern twang. I couldn't find a like-for-like like scene, but this this is Holly Hunter. What a surprise. Yeah. But he used it as a bookmark. The chapter where Daryl attacks the good doctor here. And we know that Mr. Cullum was safe in San Quentin last night, so why does this book show up under the mattress? I'll call you one better. So there's definitely some some similarities there. Mm. And also at one point in the movie, I mean the, the twist at the end, is it a twist, is that Robert Downey Jr.'s character from jail is orchestrating this whole thing. Yeah. But also well, at one point they do go to him for advice in a very Hannibal Lecter-style okay. moment. I'm just going to double-check that my audio name, you said Harry Downey, Harry, Harry. Harry. Harry Downey Jr. You said Robert Downey Jr. Did I? I may have. (laughs) (laughs) Some white guy. I think so. Harry Connick Jr. from jail turned out to be orchestrated the whole thing. But there was a scene somewhere through the movie where they went to consult (laughs) with him (laughs) to see what he knew, which is very Hannibal lector But also looking at another way, um, Sigourney Weaver was sort of almost the Hannibal Lecter type, Ooh. not not in terms of a villainy. She's not, she she's not a bad s- person, but just the, the expert. crack the case. Yeah, you know, the expert who was stuck in a place that they had to go visit, you know, that kind of thing. But Seven came out in 95, like you said. What else came out? Some movie called Citizen, uh, Citizen X came out in 95. Natural Born Killers was 1994. Summer of Sam, 99. It's a little bit later, but I think it's still relevant. Serial Mom in 94 with Kathleen Tainer. Serial Mom. I don't really remember what that was. The remake of Psycho came in 98. Um, the iconic Glimmer Man came in 96. And The Secret Life of Jeffrey Dahmer was somewhere around there too. So there's a what lot did he do? of shit. What did Jeffrey Dahmer I do? I, I don't know. And that's one of the things I was uh, I was going to start getting to is that I, I've, I'm pretty disengaged from the serial killer stuff now. As you were alluding to, so this was this topic was was pretty popular in the nineties, but it's fucking yeah. bigger than ever now, right? Yeah, it's fucking huge. It's like it's fucking massive. It's the the realm of Netflix and um, podcast is just overrun with serial killer content. Be it docos, yeah, docos, fictionalized versions, yeah. There's all kinds of shit. Series. There's a good South Park episode where they talk about the. All the kids are worried about their parents' obsession with this kind of content. Like it could be a bad influence on them, like video games. Like, like it's basically taking the video game cliche and switching it on its head. But this is a good little scene from that. My report is on the vile and despicable trash that our parents are watching on television. Fellow students, there is a plague of smut on our cable boxes. Shows that feature reenactments of unsolved crimes and spousal homicides. I'm talking, of course, about murder porn. Point. That's more like it. 
According to the Nielsen ratings, viewership in shows like Cold Case Files, Dateline Murder, and Deadly Affairs is skyrocketing amongst married couples. The increased viewership has brought about a whole new slew of shows that use graphic sex and innuendo to make spousal murder more titillating. Shows like Southern Fried Homicide, Sinful Secrets, On the Case with Paula Zahn, and it's all smut and it's garbage and it's trash! Your parents are watching this stuff. Go home and ask them. And as we ask them, we must also ask ourselves. If they're obsessed with this stuff, then how long? How long before one of our daddies dresses up in lingerie and bashes Bobby's head in with a brick? <laughs> but the, the point of that episode is they end up, like, blocking their parents out of that content on their cable. Nice. Pretty funny. But... There's something weird in there. Like there's something weird about how much we get sucked into this stuff. It's so addictive and like yeah. podcasts. Oh, if you listen to whatever the fuck, this one, that one. Mm. People love this shit. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I just accidentally, I wish I hadn't looked up Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, what do you do? Bad things. <laughs> yeah, okay. He was into a bit of uh, necrophilia. Oh, fuck. Okay. I'm going to veer away from that. <laughs> so. Uh, do, 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 do. Hey, segue. Do, do, do. Hey, so Netflix and podcasts are the, are the, are the, are the playground of serial killer content, yeah. there, like we said. And interesting, I was thinking, the first podcast I ever listened to was Serial. Ah. Not so much about serial killers. but are you true, being serial? True crime. Super dope serial. Uh, true crime is sort of the modern version, I guess. But I was thinking, you know, like that was the first podcast I ever, ever listened to. First podcast a lot of people ever listened to. Maybe we wouldn't even be making Double Impact right now without Serial. So maybe, maybe we should be thanking all the, the moiterers out there for for building the category for us. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I'll say, yeah, thank you, Serial. So, yeah, that's a very good point. And, um, yeah, in podcasts, you know how – because, yeah, I think we mentioned Greg and I both work in the, the world of media and advertising and marketing. Like in terms of advertising and podcasts, like the big blockbusters are all the true crime ones. Like they're huge. Huge. They're like the Super Bowl of podcasts. Huge. It's crazy. But I, I um, remember talking to a mate back in New York when Serial came out, which really like suddenly like flipped a switch in my head where I just didn't want to listen to these things anymore, where A – you consume these things like this is different. This is a fictional movie. That's fine. But like you're listening to these true crime things and you're getting all like, Oh, about it and excited and oh, who did it? And he's speculating like it's some form of light entertainment. People died and horrible things happened. And most of the time it's about the killer and not about the victim. And it's just all a bit icky. Mm. So I've stopped, I've stopped it quite a bit. Yes. Well, um, I'm happy to hear that, that you haven't got a, um, you know, a growing obsession with. Yeah. Murder, death, Because your mother might worry about it. Murder, death, kill. <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking with that in mind that with the modern version of this would be a Netflix TV show, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you can see how like a lot of the different plot points would break down episode-wise because that whole sub uh-huh. side mission of Dermot working Chinatown Isn't could be developed a lot more. It felt a bit random in the movie. Yeah. It, 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 but it could have been it's, worked it's a bit light. more. And then the part where he dies could have been like a whole episode of – Hecticness, like imagine this—the whole episode's in the in the department, and it's a bit hectic, and you know that kind of. I bet the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer would have liked to have got his hands on Dermot Roll Reeve's corpse. <laughs> Fuck. 
Yeah, close that loop. Well, we never saw what happened to him. There's a chance. True. And you could do a cool episode all set in the apartment where you get a good sense of what agoraphobia is really like. You know, you could, so there's lots of things you could play around with as a TV show. But to your point, Mindhunter already exists and it kind of... Did you get into Mindhunter? I watched like one episode. I watched the first season. I heard season. it's good, but I think for everything, all the reasons I just said, I just don't... Kind of content now, I'm just a bit... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Depressing, mm. because this is the thing with serial killer movies is even within what they say in the movie, anything that's based on real people, I mean, they end up doing exactly what the serial killer wants. Most of these serial killers just want to be famous. So what, ah. do they, and what do they do? They make a fucking movie about them. Like it's a bit, isn't that counterintuitive? Yeah. Like it's, nah, it's a bit shit, I reckon. God damn it. <laughs> Take down the content. Yeah. Hey, what do you make of this, uh, our villain here? Um, yeah, I kind of forgot about him. Like in making my notes today, I was thinking about the cast that I wrote all the other names down. And he wasn't bad, but I didn't. I think they. I mean, I'm is pretty he, sure they blend, inten- blend in. As yeah, like a, I think it's quite intentional that he's like a very nondescript. Yeah, and I thought he was actually good. Like it, he's good. Yeah, he's good. He never really showed up in much else. Yeah, did you have much on him or anything? No, no. I was just interested. Like this movie's kind of been forgotten in the. Yeah. Uh, ether of these type of movies. I think yeah. probably coming four weeks after Seven was the lead factor in that. Seven was yeah. quite groundbreaking in that whole gore. Oh, was it four weeks? Yeah, it was like they were on, on each other's uh, heels. Seven feels more modern too. Like I'm shocked that that was the same year. That's like a Pocahontas Toy Story thing. Yeah, it was quite a yeah. – it, it really <laughs> is because if I had to guess, I would have thought Seven was like 99 or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And um, David Fincher made Mindhunter as well. So Did that's he? interesting, oh, yeah. Settle, well, settle down, David. Yeah, well uh, into it. But, I, you know, comp- I don't necessarily think Seven's particularly better than this. It's quite different. Yeah, I don't have a lot of – it's more stylish just because it's that David yeah. Fincher vibe. Yeah. And Brad Pitt's got – he's coming into his, like, character elements. Sad boy. Sad boy, but, like, the eating in scenes, I think, starts in this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, and he's, he's, yeah. he's getting his – He's getting his – Yeah. Um, Sigourney was good at this, I thought. She is. Yeah. She wasn't even possessed or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because um, she's always – She just wanted sex. She's quite often, probably with, probably with the exception of um, Ghostbusters where she is a little bit sexualized, but she's often like a hero and like the lead and shit, right, which is kind of cool. And in She's this one ass. as well, like this is, we're in Bechdel territory, man, for the first time in ages. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Do they actually have any conversations when they're not talking about the killer or Oh, uh, does German? that count as a dude? Uh, I think, yeah, I think this passes. I feel like there's an. It's, if it doesn't, then the Bechdel is flawed because you've got two yeah. lead females who are the heroines. I of mean, the, the creators of the Bechdel even say that it's not like a. Don't you defend <laughs> Stephen Bechdel? It was a lady. Interesting that you assumed it was a man. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, what does that mean? I don't know. But, yeah, this passes the Bechdel test. We haven't talked about the Bechdel test in ages because, to be honest, it got a little repetitive in every episode. Is, to it, go. A, it, is it passed? Does it no. pass? No, because most movies don't pass. So I'll refresh what it actually means. So the Bechdel test is a is a invented by a lady. It started as a comic strip it's by women for women. <laughs> no, it was sorry. It was a little comic strip that was a bit of a joke. <gasps> Kathy in the city. No, <laughs> sex. No, Dilbert. 
Uh, yeah, okay, we like those, but not those. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're cartoons. <laughs> they're cartoons. Uh, they're, they're, what do you call them? Comics. Comics. Comic yes. strips. Sorry, sorry. But it it was. Um, Are you it, tell it, us what it is. Well, I'm trying to. So Dilbert was a comic that there was a real interesting satirical look at the world of um, you know office culture mm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bechdel test, on the other hand has become a little tool to tell whether a film represents real female characters. Is it, is it, is it representing women in, uh, as real humans in a, in a picture? And in some uh-huh. countries, I think somewhere in like you know, Sweden or something, they actually include this in the rating now. But the Bechdel test is it must feature at least two women. These women must talk to each other. Their conversation must concern something other than a man. With their clothes on. Names. Yeah, with their clothes on. Definitely helps. Uh, so this was that, this movie is that so that's quite cool. It's got that over Silence of the Lambs, that's for sure. I found an interview with Sigourney Weaver at the time um, talking about this very topic, not in Bechtel language, but. Well, I think the most the biggest difference is probably the fact that that in this movie, uh, one woman is is being hunted, and uh, my character and and she and Holly Hunter's character, who's a police inspector, work together under increasingly difficult circumstances to to catch this guy um it's a it's a very well-rounded movie too you find out a lot about the women and it's actually got a lot of humor as well as being a terribly suspenseful film what was it like playing against well with holly hunter uh, it's unusual for a movie to have two women working together to crack this crime isn't it mm. yes it's a it's a uh it was very unusual and i think uh, we enjoyed it very much uh, we're two such different characters who are often at odds, and they're sort of forced to work together. And, and John Emile, our director, who um, did a wonderful job, you know, he You're really didn't close. want the relationship yeah. to get sort of soupy, you know, the way sometimes they want you to eat popcorn together and giggle. And, and he really kept it very, you know, not antagonistic. But there was a lot of tension, and in the end, they they come through for each other. And um, I think it's it's very moving, actually. You know, he didn't want to make a, a movie that, that glorified violence against women. If anything, he wanted to come at it from the other direction and see how the violence impacts on women personally and see two women, you know, being responsible for ending it. I want to pause it there for one sec. So good good little chat there about how good this is in representing women, female interviewer. But then this – I'll play this next little bit of the interview because I think it's kind of interesting and counter to everything that Sigourney kind of just said. She starts asking her if she's a feminist and, you know, you have a kid, how do you do it all? Like all those cliches of... Are you a feminist, Sigourney? I, I read, about, read about you being tough within negotiations, uh, making sure that it's right for you. But I wondered whether you did that because you believe that women should get a better deal all around. Well, I think for, for quite a long time recently, women have been paid much less than men, and, and certainly ours is not the only field in which, in which that's true, because I have done some action pictures. Um, there have been times when even with my agents, I had to go, look, you know, this, this is so inequitable. Um, I think things are changing. I think that, that people are finding out, the studios are finding out that, that audiences miss films with great women's parts. So I think things are improving a bit. You choose, because you have a daughter, to work when you wish to work. And you also live out of L.A. You don't live within the movie community there. Are all those factors making it more difficult for a woman in Hollywood these days and to get the movies roles you've been talking about? 
But yeah, that, that little extra bit, I think it's good uh, context for 1995, right? A little bit. It's like, are you it's, a, it's like, are you are a, a feminist? feminist? <laughs> do you uh, make sure you get a good deal because you think that's what women should do? <laughs> and then the, the classic, this is what I feel like I've only become conscious of recently being a dude, but that classic, the question that no one ever asks a man, you know, the work-life balance thing of like, oh, but you're working, how do you do it all? Like no mm. one asks a man if they, when they're out at night, but where are the kids, you know? Like mm. no one. Mm. <laughs> it's such like a classic thing. Unfortunately, the pay gap thing is still going though. Yeah. This is 25 years ago. Fuck. Yeah. Rubbish. But Bechdel test, good. Check. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. It's good to do that for a change. Ring the Bechdel bell. I'll put a bell sound in Can we talk about Dermot Mulroney? Oh, can we? <laughs> Isn't he a dreamboat? He's so sweet in this. What's it? I don't know anyone with the name Dermot. Me neither. So this is <laughs> – it's pretty funny. I was watching this um, Letterman interview with Sigourney for this movie and there's – I mean there's some lols in there I'll put on Instagram but there's not much to talk about in here other mm. than when they're talking about the cast. <laughs> it's pretty funny. He gives him a bit of shit. This is a pretty good cast here. Uh, have yourself, of course. You have uh, Holly Hunter, who is wonderful. She, I bet she's Absolutely. just great in this, isn't yes, she? Yes, she's And Harry Connick Jr., we don't know. The jury's still out on this oh, guy. But you say he's okay, right? Wait, you think wait, he's okay? Wait, yeah. Who else is in the film? Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not familiar oh, really? with him. He's terrific. Is he good? What does he do? Uh, he plays um, Holly Hunter's uh, partner. Uh-huh. They're both uh, police inspectors. Where's he been all his life? Oh, he's been in lots of different. Well, I'm the only one who doesn't know Dermot Maloney. Well, uh, Mulroney. <laughs> Mulroney. Yeah. <laughs> he's terrific. Yeah. He's very funny in this and very romantic. Will we see his name on the marquee? I hope so. Yeah. Really? It's a Dermot Mulroney. Right. Mulroney. Right. What are you saying? Mulroney. <laughs> Mulroney. I have a fear of this guy's last name. That's a phobia. And pronounce this guy's as better. <laughs> it's like <He's> brutal. <laughs> Poor old Dermot Mulroney, man. You know he dies a shit death in this. Um, but I checked. I checked after that clip whether he'd ever been on Letterman post. Yeah, that, I was just I, thinking that I couldn't find. I found it uh, one the, technically the Late Show, but now with Stephen Colbert. But um, so apparently there's a thing of people getting Dermot Mulroney mixed up with Dylan uh, McDermott. Dylan McDermott, and there's an SNL skit. It's a bit of a lull. Hello and welcome to America's most difficult game show. We show contestants a picture and they have to tell us who it is. That's right, it's time for... All right, all right, all right. Let's get started. Contestants, tell me, is this Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney? We will never know this. Correct answer was Dermot Mulroney. Next round. Tell me, contestants, who's this guy? <laughs> Remember, Dylan McDermott was in the practice, and Dermot Mulroney was in a movie called Staying Together, where he played a character named Kit McDermott. It's <laughs> a true fact. So is this Dylan McDermott or Kit McDermott? <laughs> you know what F you... You have 20 seconds to write down your answer. All right. Test number two, you wrote... Durable McDillets. <laughs> I just want to check in with you. When you were writing Durable McDillet, <laughs> you think to yourself, yeah, this is right. 
<laughs> it's like since watching that, every time I say his name, I want to say McDillon. <laughs> uh, um, but funnily enough, I don't think I, I get him more mixed up with um, Eric Roberts. I think he looks like Eric Roberts. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a bit younger than Eric Roberts, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I think so. But maybe you're used but you to know, we watch all these old Eric, movies. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. And but then I also thought. I honestly thought is that I googled it to check. I thought he was in the Flintstones, but that's not him. That's um, it's John Goodman. <laughs> no, Kyle MacLachlan, the bad guy, with the chin. He's got a bit of a chin on him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so that he kind of looks like him too. So there's a lot of people that look is like that. Kyle MacLachlan from Twin Peaks. There's a lot of generic there's white a lot people. Of people. Yeah, they all look the same. This is probably what Ara's family means when they think I look like everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, in this movie, it was real sweetie pie, and I felt uh, like he's maybe my MVP. Really? Which feels funny to say in a movie that has got some strong female characters. Yeah, but just, well, look, I, if you're biased, the heart wants what it wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Harry Connick, were you a Harry Connick Jr. fan in your youth? Fans are a strong word. I got into the song. Like, I thought it was cool. I thought it's it was fun. really cool. Maybe a bad, bad thing. I think it. That's Chris Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> All white people are the same, I think, is the This song. Remember this song? I thought this was so cool. This came out in 93 or 94. Do you remember this song? <laughs> yeah, but what about... What about... Maybe the bad, bad thing. No. Oh, I want to fall in love. <laughs> Who sings that? Chris Isaac sings that. Foolish games, wicked games. Yeah, he's not Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> no, nor is it Harry Connick Jr. Or Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> this Chris episode Isaac. is a mind fuck. <laughs> everyone is everyone. Well, so what have we got here? We've got oh. Dermot McDillett, Eric Roberts, and Kyle McLaughlin, Craig McLaughlin, Harry Connick Jr., uh, Chris Isaac, uh, Jodie Foster, and um, Holly Hunter. It's. <sighs> Speaking of copycats, fuck. Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, my fuck. gosh. I'm so lost. The one thing, though. Did Harry Connick Jr. have any other songs? Uh, lots of covers that I'm aware of. I mean, I'm sure he had other songs, but that was the big one. And he did lots of covers. And he popped up in a few movies, right? He was in Independence Day. Just kick the tires and light the fires, big daddy. But he had a huge cultural impact in Australia. Do you remember why? Hey, hey, it's Saturday. Something racist. Yeah, man. So Australia can be pretty ignorant with a lot of stuff. And this was, I don't know when this was. I think it was early 2000s. It wasn't, fuck, even late noughties. Yeah, it was not. It was later than it should have been. Yeah, so basically yeah. in Australia, for the 30% out there and the, and the 12% and whatnot, um, Hey Hey It's Saturday is a variety show on a Saturday night. A segment within that is called Red Faces where they have um, people come on and do acts. And they're usually bad and cheesy and stupid. Um, and this was the baddest and cheesiest and stupidest one. Basically, these five white guys come on as a Jackson Five. They come on in blackface. Yeah. So the show the show had had finished. It was the biggest show in. the Oh, 90s, it was a special episode in the nineties, early nineties, and, and it was a comeback special, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, because it was over, and so I think these people had performed back in the eighties or something too, which still not okay, but starts yeah. to give a bit of a context as to how this act was able to be on this show. Yeah. But one Harry Connick Jr., not one Harry Connick Jr., not his adopted son, mm. but he was a guest judge on this show and didn't go great. 
um, a little better than the last act, perhaps. Man, you know, if you take the Jackson 5 and subtract this 5... <laughs> Whoa! Well, is there any redeeming... Uh, would you give them just for turning up, perhaps a 2 or 3 or 4? Man, if they turned up looking like that in the United States... Oh, yeah. <laughs> So that segment happens, they go to commercial break, and after commercial break, this happens. Something I want to do, because I noticed, look, when you were judging, very kindly judging red faces, I I noticed that when we had the Jackson drive on, and it didn't occur to me till afterwards, that I think we may have offended you with that Mm. act, and I I deeply uh, apologise on behalf of all of us, because I know that... Uh, you know, your countrymen, it, it, that's an insult to, to you know, have a, a blackface routine right, like that on right. the show. Uh, so I do apologise to you. I, Thanks, yeah. Daryl. And I just wanted to say on behalf of, you know, of my country, um, I know it was done in, in, in humorous yes. yeah. but, you know, we've spent so much time trying to not make black people look like buffoons mm. that when we see something like that, we take it really yeah. to heart. Yeah. And I know it was in good fun. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is take the show, like, to a real you know, kind of a down level because I love, you know how much I love this show in this country, but I feel like I'm at home here and if I knew that was going to be a part of the show, I probably, I definitely wouldn't have done it. Yeah. So thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I got to give it up because Daryl said, I told him at the break, he said, man, you need to speak as an American, not as a white American or a black American, but as American, I need to, I need to, to to say that. So thanks for giving me the opportunity. We hear you. Yada, yada, yada. What an interesting time. He was pretty, he was really. I thought he did very well there. He did it great, didn't he? Uh, That guy, Daryl Summers. It's it's weird that he's a host. He knew how much money he used to get paid as well. How much? Like obscene amounts. He was like the highest paid guy on Australian TV. Right. And so this was a Saturday night TV. I guess it it wasn't like SNL. This was on like family viewing time. It was a family Saturday night. And it was just a bit of a, bit of everything. I hate Saturday. Yeah. I guess it was a mix of like. Letterman with variety show and skits. talent show skits. Skits. And yeah, they, they tried to bring it back and no one watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they watched the special, the first special everyone watched for nostalgia yeah, and then they then tried to bring like, it back what? probably. Yeah, but he moved. fumbled, the way he talked just then, he just fumbles his way through all that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he should host the Tonight Show. Hey, would you be fun? Good. That's what he does. That was an actual clip from Jimmy Fallon just then. Mm, mm. But yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? The um a fellow we both used to work with, who I won't name on the podcast for own reasons, but earlier in the two thousands he went to a a costume party competition thing as air quotes the Jackson Five blackface and then in the coat of his jacket, like dolls that look like those ones that those dolls you shouldn't have. Gollywog doll. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that. Yeah, and um, the other the clincher is he won the competition. So oh. this just kind of shows a how behind we were in Australia. That's pretty bad. I mean, fucking bad. But b how fast culture moves because that that wasn't that long. That was only probably fifteen years ago max, right? L- yeah. Less would have been less. So it's pretty crazy how fast. Things mm. can can switch like that. That was a massive tangent, though. Mm. We cover all the bases here. <laughs> we do. Tangents are important, especially when the movies. There's not heaps of content to discuss. From necrophilia. <laughs> 
It's a black, it's a black face. face. Um, Have you got anything else to talk about? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Should we get into the verdict or yeah, you got more? Got more? Re- I do, when do we do recast? Let's get in the verdict because otherwise it's a pretty flimsy section. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. I didn't really need to shorten the theme, don't I? Yep. All right, so sh- sh- I'm talking like Holly Hunter now. Show, sure, just tell us what to do. Show, show, should we get into uh, no? Uh, all right, so recasties. If this was made today, do you, you got any? I don't have any. Uh, look, I didn't really spend a lot of time in it. I thought maybe you could do like. Um, I guess instead of Harry Connick Jr., you'd have Michael Bublé. <laughs> I hope not. Just because they're the same thing, aren't they? Yeah, he's on a bit of blackface. Well, I don't probably. like him. I don't trust him. He's if you're listening, <laughs> I don't trust you, Mr. Bublé. <laughs> uh, I thought you could have like a Zoe Deschanel doing a um, Harry Connick Jr. Holly Hunter. Mm. Yeah, she could do that, and she would be allowed her friend Gordon Lovitz. Would be. <laughs> I just say it like John Lovitz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what he's going to look like when he's Oh, he the, could be Mulroney. He could be Mulroney. McDillett. Yeah. And call the character Dillett McDillett. <laughs> Dillett. Dillett. Don't Durble McDillett. Yeah, McDillett. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you need like, I think, someone like um, Scarlett Johansson as Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Let's make her a bit hotter. Sorry. Sorry, I love Sigourney. <laughs> People really love her. I oh. think she's cool. I don't, but like in terms of hotness, when we whenever we post the Sigourney it's she's Weaver. she's Ripley. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Is it must be like a, a bit like a Carrie Fisher thing too. Mm. People, whenever we do a Sigourney Weaver post on, on the gram, <laughs> fucking everyone just yeah. yeah, yeah. Lots of likes. Um, so that's our strategy moving forward. Sigourney. Oh, Sigourney. What's your verdict for the film? Uh, it's a great little movie. I think it's lost in the uh, lost behind seven and yeah. you know, perhaps early pre- well predecessors such as Silence. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. It's it's a bit in in the serial killer movie world. It is a little pedestrian. Yeah, um, and it probably suffers for that. But I think it's a nice, tight little movie. I'd say fire up that popcorn, get out those Maltesers, and. Enjoy some old school movie magic. Yeah, I, I kind of had it re-watch pinned me. as a, a bit of a maybe a hungover Sunday afternoon type of deal mm. where you don't have to pay full attention. You want to watch it, but you don't have to like, it's not Parasite or something. Like, you know, Silence of the Lambs probably deserves a bit more attention too because it's like, oh, this is a good, good movie, mm. air quotes. But um, so like I, I enjoyed watching it. I can't really point out much that I didn't like about it, but it was just kind of straight down the middle. Like it was like, yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Who was your MVP? Um, Dermot Dermot McDermott. Dermot McDermott. 
But Greg, wait, but I got I'm not done yet cuz I'm oh, yeah? I'm actually thinking leaving in the past because Oh yeah. Just that I mean you could rewatch it in too those ma- too many specific circumstances. Well, that's that's the borderline thing. Um it's like that is good. So that's it saving grace perhaps uh, to you to you. That's the thing that gives it a bit of an edge, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But just in terms of 90s serial killer movies, if you're going to watch one, I wouldn't put this at the top of the list. Yeah, fair enough. But um Doble McDillett what an angel. Oh, and I always absolutely. think, I, I can't remember what else I've seen him in really because it could be anyone. But In your dreams I, perhaps. <laughs> but I always thought he would be the arsehole. So it took me by surprise what a little sweetheart he was. He in was this. quite a nice guy. When yeah. he rocks up and he's got, brings sushi, but then he had a cheeseburger for her as well. Yeah, and he's <laughs> loose in his pocket. <laughs> that makes me want a cheeseburger. Let's <laughs> oh, go before we stop talking Cheeseburger. Yeah, just an extra cheese. <laughs> you put extra S's in it, but it works. <laughs> What do we got coming up next week? <laughs> Who knows? It could be Baywatch. It could be something else. It could be Baywatch. It could be Cool Runnings. Could be Cool Runnings. It's a, uh, it's a like a hockey movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got yeah. It could be Cool Runnings. Could be Flatter the Navigator. Could be Wizard of Oz. No one knows. It's coming soon, though. We get a pretty good stack coming, actually. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we probably should do something. A little bit more mainstream than the last two weeks. Yeah, so cool running is probably probably a good one. Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. I'll give you ten dollars to stop singing. I see pride. I see poor. I see a badass mother mother who, who won't take, take no, no crap out of nobody. nobody. One more time. I see pride. <laughs> Put a bad draw a line down the middle of your head so it looks like a butt. <laughs> <laughs> So the main guy in that, oh, we got to save this for next week. He's in Oz. He's initially the main guy in Oz. All right, thanks for right. listening. Bye. Now you're in with the techno 